0: Drunk Dietitians is co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. These dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Their mission is for all humans to believe that they were made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. They are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although these ladies are medical professionals, they are human too. They are not afraid to share their deepest, darkest secrets and how years of their lives were taken by diet culture. They started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join Sammy and Jenna for a casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the podcast. We are having way too much fun right now, and we just recorded the best episode, and we are airing this episode during a very special week. I'm going to read a little snippet off of Glad.org about what is Transgender Awareness Week. Transgender Awareness Week is a week when transgender people and their allies take action to bring attention to the community by educating the public again about who transgender people are, sharing stories and experiences, and advancing advocacy around the issues of prejudice, discrimination, and violence that
0: affect the transgender community. And today, November 20th, marks the actual Transgender Day of Remembrance, which was founded by Transgender advocate Gwendolyn Ann Smith as a vigil to honor her memory of Rita Hester, who was a transgender woman who was killed in 1998. And the vigil commemorated all transgender people that were lost to violence that year and began an important memorial that has become the annual Transgender Day of Remembrance.
1: And without telling you too much about the episode, because we cannot wait for you to listen, we should tell you who we interviewed. (laughs) Today we have James is smiling on Instagram on the podcast today, James Rose pronouns, they, them, and the conversation itself went deep into pronouns, how important they are and just so much more.
0: And James identifies as non-binary, which for Jenna and I was just such a blessing to have just such an honest conversation with someone who was saying, you know what, I'm learning right alongside you. Only like a year ago, James shares in this podcast, they identified as a male previously and now identifies as non-binary. So I think this podcast is just going to be so helpful for so many um, and to just continue to create curiosity around gender identity and how that parallels with eating disorder, relationship with food, and so much more. So without further ado, let's just get right into it. All right. Welcome back to another episode um, we're super excited for today's guest, and I'm actually just going to read your bio that you sent me directly Sounds good. it's perfect, <laughs> and I don't want to fuck up as we were just talking about how just we don't want to fuck up. up on air. So we have James Rose, pronouns they and them, is a non-binary New York City-based actor, trauma-informed yoga teacher, and co-host of the Full Soul Nutrition podcast, they write about gender, eating disorder, recovery, sex, their feelings, their exes on Instagram, and where they hope to, and they hope to leave the internet a little bit better than they found it. I love that.
2: Thank you. It sounds so great when you read it out loud, like catch I me
0: like furiously
2: typing, like, I don't know, I do a couple of things here and there. And you're like, here is our guest. Thank you <laughs> so much. Like What an intro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are so welcome. Uh, did I did I read it in like my television voice or like my podcaster voice? Maybe
2: a little bit. I I found it soothing personally.
0: Awesome, that's awesome. And then also for we didn't include this in your bio, um, but James on Instagram is James is smiling is y- your account, and we want to make sure that everyone follows you. And we'll say that again at the end because. <laughs> you have so much information on your page that needs to get out there. So Thanks. thank you for being here. And of that's course. how we found
2: you. I'm so yeah. glad we found each other. Yeah. <laughs> the the like the dietitian community is my favorite because everyone is like so open to learning and welcomes everyone at all stages. And I think because everyone's like super intelligent and trained therapist and just cares about the world and i i love it here i love this corner of the internet
1: wait but that makes me feel so happy because i feel like it's a rare thing to hear about dietitians
2: um <laughs> yes i am only speaking about the haze and intuitive eating community i was gonna say let put
0: a disclaimer on I'm that i'm so what sorry kind of like if you
2: i won't name names but like you know who you are if you're promoting weight loss i don't like you And I have like, I, you are hurting people. You are not a good person.
1: Do you know that? I I had a conversation (laughs) with a client the other day and I was like, listen, if I was diet culture, dietitian, Jenna, which I've been, this is what I would have told you. And I like never said that out loud. And I was like, I am so sorry.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and it's because no one finds this corner of the internet because they like, came out of like, they were like, I have a perfect relationship with food actually, and I am a woman, and like I just like, no one that So the only reason you found this is because you, we all have a similar story. We were all like, wow, this shoved me down underneath its iron fist, and I refuse to take that anymore. And I think that's special. It's like, we're all fighting for the same thing in a different way, and I love that. Perfectly oh, said.
0: Perfect. I'm glad we just like got right in there and like said that, you know that I was like... so honest it's perfect it's perfect we and have so to we're...
1: relive the last 15 minutes though because we just shared so much content off air that you know. we just have yeah. to bring back so, so
2: that we're,
0: we're jumping right in yes.
2: go so. for it where you lead I follow
0: so before we get too far into your story I want Jen I want you to do a little bit of this or that with James
1: I I wrote these the other day. I did this with a dietitian that I interviewed um, solo when I interviewed Lauren. And I made them a little bit funnier, all food related, because she's a dietitian.
2: Is this Lauren Cadillac?
1: No. Different Lauren. But we did have Lauren on. Different Lauren.
2: Okay. I love, I also love this Lauren. So this is,
1: (laughs) this is this or that. So just think quickly. Would you prefer, this was my favorite question, cake or frosting? Like if you had to choose me too okay good um soft shell taco or hard shell taco
2: hard shell tacos I don't understand soft shell taco people and I don't know who hurt you like I'm so sorry what you're missing the crunch Yes.
1: runny
2: yolk or hard boiled egg hard boiled egg that's a lie I like runny yolks I don't (laughs) know
1: It's like an episode where you're like, I I just said that. (laughs) I love I love
2: the runny. Like, give me some toast so I can sop it up. And just I find I find it so so nice to
1: like plate
2: with it. All right.
1: (laughs) Cool ranch or nacho cheese?
2: Neither. That's a lie. Nacho cheese. Oh my gosh, I'm just (laughs) lying to you. (laughs) um it depends on what it's with okay if it's with celery it has to be ranch like nacho cheese with celery I don't think works for me but like like ranch on chips doesn't work for me either so it has to be the nacho cheese
0: no 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 she made me Dorito flavors she didn't specify
1: I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I was Doritos. trying to throw a curveball in here.
2: <laughs> so funny, and I was like, I'm gonna get this right. I'm gonna be authentic.
1: <laughs> so does your answer change?
2: Um, actually, neither. I don't really like Doritos. I'm a Sun Chips girl.
1: All right. Oh. I don't know I, the last time I had a Sun What's your favorite flavor? I like the, the that ones that come it? in
2: the blue package because they're plain but understated and they have the like waves and I find it soothing on my tongue. <laughs> is
0: that the original? Because I'm gonna have to go buy Probably this, the though. original. Honestly
2: <laughs> it's from I've been taking a lot of road trips recently and going out to see the world. One of my best friends is a, a self-proclaimed park brat. She grew up in all the national parks and so we've been going out and visiting and when you're driving because we're in a pandemic there are no domestic flights. We will not be doing that you pass through middle america and there are only subways and every time i go to subway i get the sun chip so now they just have this fond memory of like traveling and seeing the world and like being on a mountain and all right you were doing uh this or that
1: (laughs) i'm gonna give you the last one Ready? ready peppermint mocha or pumpkin spice
2: Neither one. I don't drink coffee
1: at all. As I'm sitting here with my like ecstatic over my my new holiday cup. (laughs) And I
2: love the new holiday cup for you. I just never got into coffee. I told myself if I could get through college without coffee, then I might actually only invest in doing the things I wanted to do because all my Mm -hmm. friends were using coffee as like a means to wake up and motivate themselves. And I was like, all right, cool what if I actually only do things I want to do? Will I be motivated? And here I am at not that old and I still <laughs> haven't had coffee yet but obviously there are many relationships to coffee I'm sure yours is different than my friends were.
1: in all seriousness this is like steamed soy milk because I'm not really allowed to drink coffee but it's delicious <laughs>
2: um, I mean I wasn't gonna say that but I was wondering
1: <laughs> it's essentially a big cup of soy milk but the cup <laughs> makes me happy yeah, um, soy cup- milk <laughs> that fully starbucks soy milk is just so creamy it's just so good sorry anyways (laughs) back to you
0: so I think even though we shared this off air, I think it needs to be shared is how Mm. we kind of, you know, how we got to know you and where we found you was from Lauren Cadillac's Instagram, feel good dietitian. And you guys had done an Instagram swap where you talked like all things, gender identity and eating disorder on her page. And she kind of helped with intuitive eating on your page and we saw you and we were like, we have to talk to them, like (laughs) we have to. So we're so happy you're here. And I wanna start this before we get into like really, like Jenna had said, like, we wanna learn from you. I wanna hear your story of like, Mm. what makes you, you? How did you get to this point that you're at in your life that you can take 30 seconds or 30 minutes to answer this question? (laughs) Like just what makes James James and how did you get to what you're doing today?
2: Oh, wow. Thanks for the, thanks for the permission to answer it. However, I feel, um, wow. I'm so glad that we connected first off from Lauren. I think she's wonderful and she does make me feel good. Uh, she is the feel good dietitian. And, (laughs) And so how I got here, Um, I am an actor. I went to college for musical theater. I went to NYU, a little school that like no one's ever heard of. And it was an absolute blast. And I entered the industry pretty early because I wanted to, you know, get some auditions under my belt and whatnot. And that is where the journey begins, where all of a sudden I was like, oh, I must change and manipulate my body to fit the Broadway ideal. Um, for those of you who aren't looking at a picture of me, I hope you're not looking at a picture of me while you're listening to this, but if you are like that, I welcome that too. But I'm very tall and I every man in my family is thin. I was assigned male at birth. I hit that genetic cultural thing um, where everyone's like, I want to look like that. And it is truly just what my gene pool gave me. And so I was also getting opportunities because of what my body looked like and noticing that I wasn't always as talented as the people who were cut, which I don't think is fair. And I was noticing a lot of comments that I was getting from casting directors, other people in the industry, choreographers telling me that I needed to look like a certain thing. I needed to bulk up, I needed to add muscle mass in order to be like a Broadway chorus boy. This is also juxtaposed with an internal like war of never feeling like I fit in with the boys to begin with. I mean, this traces all the way back to kindergarten. I remember this vivid memory of our teacher saying, okay, like boys go over here and girls go over here and genuinely being confused as to where I was supposed to go. And gender is informed by not only what you were assigned at birth in your relationship to the norms that are thrust on you by being assigned male, female, or sometimes intersex at birth, but also your relationship with yourself, your relationship to other people of other gender identities, your family, your peers, the way that you see yourself, the media. And I was walking around at home wearing shirts on my head to have long hair because I thought my mom's long hair was beautiful. And I was wearing her heels because I loved that. And to me, that represented strength. I, my parents are divorced and I was raised by a single mom for half the time and the other half is with obviously my dad and so to me it was like you know her getting dressed for work and being her own woman that was she was single for almost the entire time she raised me that represented strength to me and like the fashion and the things like that were how she expressed herself and I loved that we I loved going shopping with her I didn't see the clothes being gendered I saw them as this cool part of a woman I loved and So all of this is coming more to a head when I was in musical theater school, having to play roles that were by men. And uh, going in for roles and being told I needed to look like a certain man and then deciding I was going to go hit the gym. Um, Just like a content warning, I'll talk about some specific behaviors, but nothing too detailed. So just if anyone's in recovery and listening, like maybe skip ahead two minutes. Um, The My go-to was like I need to make my muscles bigger and I need to like cut calories to keep my waist thin and like I was toying between being told I needed to look like this ideal man and then also having had societal reinforcement my whole life of being told I had the body of a woman and I would have been like the ideal supermodel if I was a girl and all of this just didn't mix and so I ended up having a disrupted relationship with food as well as having a tumultuous relationship with my body image and going to the gym and trying to change things and manipulate things and The other backdrop here is I grew up as a crossfitting vegan. That's like what we were at my dad's side of the family. So like the prescription for orthorexia was handed to me and I unknowingly was swallowing it every day. Cause like, why would I do anything else but like assume that we were morally superior because we didn't eat meat? You know, like why why would I have thought to unlearn that? So fast forward uh, into recovery. I have recovered from an eating disorder. And my best friend, Katie, who I like co-host our podcast with, she's a registered dietitian. And she was like, I, I think there's something going on here, but she didn't tell me about it. She just like brought me places. And then I like, brought me into like little recovery groups and things like that. And I was like, oh shit. Like I was like walking and being like I'm here to support you. Like I am so healthy. Like I like or like I am morally superior because I don't eat blah blah blah. And then I'm listening to everyone's stories. I'm like, oh fuck. Like uh, I do that. Like and you're say you're not supposed to cut that out. Like you're like sugar's okay. What what is this witchcraft? And lo and behold, the more I started untangling my relationship with diet culture, I started to A, unlearn my fat phobia. Like, if you had met me a couple years ago, I was the problem. Like, and that is something that I think we all have to eat. Jenna's like, me too. We all were, I think, at one point. And I recovered from an eating disorder and then realized it still wasn't enough. I was like, why am I still little bit at war with my body and with my body image and it has nothing to do with my relationship with food and so i started Looking more into gender identity, I had a couple of friends that came out as non-binary and I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, you're a man or a woman, like, come on, like, look at biology. What are you talking about? And then I started reading up on it and like not being an asshole and, <laughs> and realized that, oh my gosh, there's so much middle ground because gender is something we constructed as a society. I mean, it's it's really quite a colonial perspective and quite a Western supremacy perspective to look at gender as just man and woman and have it be directly assigned to your, to your uh, sex assigned at birth. We call that bio And I realized that I was part of that problem too. Um, I was super transphobic and w- in college. And I was like, I will not put my pronouns on my name tag. Like everyone should know I am this, but then also I was vomiting in my mouth about like being called a man. So it was a mess. And, Then I started looking more into gender identity and I realized there is so much more to this spectrum. And I always thought of it as like one straight line where a man was on one side, woman was on the other. And then there was like the, in the middle of everyone who was just like confused. And I was like, ah, poor them. And that was the problem because it's not a a spectrum of a straight line, it's like this big color wheel and man and woman are on there. And then so are non-binary people and gender fluid people and gender non-conforming people and agender people, multi-gender people. Any way in which you choose to identify your experience in the world as it relates to gender, the norms that are thrust upon us, the ideals for your gender, any way in which you conceptualize that is correct because it's yours. We all have our own unique relationship with food. We have our own unique relationship with other people with like love and with happiness and with sadness and with gender and I started to realize that oh I maybe wasn't a man this whole time and that's why I was so resistant to any of these conversations surrounding gender and why I resisted identifying myself because I was trying to fit myself in a box that wasn't my box. And I came out as non-binary like on Instagram the day after I realized that might be a thing. And I was like, if I have one inkling that this might be the direction it's going, I have to share this because there's no way I'm going to be able to figure this out alone. And I did that and I was met with a lot of support from like my my queer chosen family that was like, great. I love that you're questioning this. I love that you're on this journey and met with a lot of misunderstanding from the people I thought were my friends that no longer deserve access to me because they can't support me as me. They were only interested in supporting me when I fit into like the cisgender box of like the cute chorus boy. And I am not that. I love doing that because it's, a part I can play as an actor. I love delving into all sorts of different gender based experiences in a character. Like, that's what I do. I love telling the human experience through my art form. But my gender as the human being is not limited to just what I might play on stage or on screen or on film, you know? So then I changed my pronouns to they, them. And I remember specifically, I've talked about this before on other podcasts, but I love this story because it, like, every time I tell it, I reconnect with why I am who I am. And I remember going into a dressing room at the 34th Street Herald Square Macy's, like you have to be in a place in your life to go in there. And I was in a place in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I tried on, I let my, I've always wanted to wear dresses. I think they're so pretty. I love it. I don't even see them as a gendered thing all the time. Like, I just love the fashion aspect of it. I love the glamour. I love the self-expression. I pulled a gold ball gown off of the rack and I was like, I'm probably with size. And I tried it on and it's the picture of me on my Instagram, the gold dress. And I took this picture and um, say again.
1: It's beautiful. Thank you. I <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
2: Um, I think that's the, the photo that Lauren reposted, which is how you all would have found me. The gold <laughs> dress has worked wonders for me in not only being able to be on Drunk Dietitians, the <laughs> coolest, and also like learning I wasn't a man. Very cool as well. So you can rank those in the order of importance <laughs> for your own life. <laughs> I tried it on and I remember whispering the words they them to myself and I felt like I was holding the hand of my inner child like the young child that just wanted to dress however they wanted to without being told they had to conform a certain way and I remember it felt like I was apologizing to that young person for stifling this part of myself for pretty much my whole life. And I was so scared to leave the dressing room because I thought it would shatter the illusion. It was like I had finally, you know, it's like you're bare hand fishing in a stream and you finally catch a fish. I've never done that. I don't know why that was the metaphor I went to, but like go go on this journey with me. You've caught the fish and you're like, but if I pull the fish out of the water, then like something will happen. Well, don't pull the fish out of the water, let the fish be. But in the dressing room, I was like, if I leave, I'm going to shatter this illusion. I'm going to somehow go back to being like a man and I'm going to have to fit into this. And uh, I decided I couldn't do that. I decided that would be a lie. And now here we are, like only a year later, I am new to this gender stuff. You know, everyone who might be listening, that's like, I want to learn more. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. I'm learning every day. No one has all the answers about gender. And anyone who says they do, they're fucking lying to you. (laughs) They, They may have a ton of answers on their own gender because we're all experts on our own experience, which is the coolest part. And because you're an expert on your own experience, maybe you can find labels, identifiers, words, experiences, community that matches yours, uplift yours, uh, challenges your identity, things like that. So now I'm to the point where I am finding space for masculinity and maleness and being connected to being a man and being connected to definitely not being a man and being connected to being a woman. And that sounds as strange out loud as it feels. And so now I'm grappling with like in real time, am I someone who's gender fluid? Why are there days where I wake up and I'm like, I I just feel like a man. I don't know how else to describe it other than that's how I feel when I wake up. It's how I understand myself. There are other days where I'm like, nope, I'm a woman. And then the majority of the time I'm like, I'm none of the above. And I'm living in that complete unknown. And I, I love that it still doesn't make sense to me because I think it'll be a lifetime discovery. And I know so many other transgender, gender nonconforming, and non binary people that express similar sentiments. It's like we wake up every day and we're like, well, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, you know? And the way that I feel most respected. And the respect I'm learning to demand because it's just basic human decency is for my pronouns to be honored. Regardless of what facet of my gender identity I connect with, they them are the only respectful way to refer to me if you're not like using my name. And I love those pronouns because they represent uh an expansiveness to my gender. And to me, they represent a freedom. Not every trans or non-binary person has this kind of connection with their pronouns. I just chose it because I felt like it encapsulates my experience with gender. So that's what we were talking about. Jenna, you had a great statistic that you made. Yeah, it made me
1: so happy to hear you (laughs) say that. But I saw this yesterday posted on Instagram and I'm just going to read it. Um, This was posted by the queer counselor, queer It's the underscore queer underscore counselor for anybody that would like to follow. But it says, according to a 2020 survey done by the Trevor Project, trans and non-binary youth who reported their pronouns were respected by all or most people in their lives attempted suicide at half the rate of those who did not have their pronouns respected. It goes on to say a 50% reduction in suicide attempts when correct pronouns were used. It gives me the chills. It says providers, please use the correct pronouns for people you serve and use them always in your notes, correspondence with other providers in conversations everywhere. And it's, it's so powerful and like, especially to hear you mimic that response and how important it is. I mean, it's so powerful and I'm just so grateful for you sharing all of this information with us. There's so many people that I'm sure this could be the first time they're hearing this type of conversation.
2: Thank you, I, I remember the first time I heard it and I was like, what? And the perhaps the most important point, and I, I'm so grateful that you gave me the space to share all of this because I, I like I said, learn things in real time. And one of the things most recently that I feel myself connected with is this idea that you don't have to understand me. I've spent a lot of my last year as a non-binary person trying to get other people to understand what it's like and that is impossible. Like, you know, we we as white people can't understand what it's like to be a black person. If you're a non-disabled person, you can't understand what it's like to be a disabled person. If you're a neurotypical person, you can't understand what it's like to be a neurodivergent person. We can only hold space for these experiences. And the same is true for a cisgender person, meaning, uh, cisgender is the term for someone who identifies with the gender they were assigned at birth. Whereas a transgender person is anybody who does not identify with the gender they were assigned at birth. Some people transition to a different binary gender. So like some people were assigned male at birth, they are women, they are trans women, they're amazing, etc. it goes on. Other people like me, are assigned a thing at birth. I was assigned male at birth, but I'm not a man. I don't fit that in terms of gender. And so my I am technically trans by definition because I don't identify with the gender I was assigned at birth, but I didn't transition to being another binary gender. I socially transitioned using different pronouns and changing bits and pieces of my appearance to express myself the way that I wanted to. And now I am working on making sure I don't try to get everyone to understand it. Like, and even if everyone was like, Oh, I understand James's gender, well, that doesn't help because someone else has a different experience. You know, it's like you could interview a hundred non-binary people and get similarities and common themes, but you will always get a different relationship to gender because it's a unique human experience. So for everyone who's like, all right, well, I want to respect this, but I don't understand it the way you can respect it is certainly by holding space for trans and non-binary people, uplifting our work, our voices, the things we have to say, but also using the right pronouns. It's such a simple way to show respect. And that it's not the first time I've heard that statistic, but I also agree it's harrowing because it's like, you're telling me by using one word, I can be positively impacting people's mental health and it costs me nothing. Like, how are we not all signed up for this? Regardless of what your relationship to identity politics are and what your feelings are about them because it's complicated like everything else i as much as i'm entrenched in identity politics i don't think that it is the answer to everything i think it is a solution to harm reduction to invest in them but i don't think it's like the end-all be-all there is so much more to the world besides that and the, the the easiest way to do it is just respect people's pronouns like if you're a cisgender person put your pronouns in your bio not because we like think you might be something else that's not the point the point is oh, if I do this, I'm recognizing that A, I have privilege as a cisgender person, and I'm showing you that you, this is how you respectfully refer to me. It makes it normal for the rest of us to share our pronouns. If I walk into a room, most people are going to assume I'm a man, but I'm not. I always get misgendered nearly every time I walk into a room. It is only with other trans and non-binary people or people who have specifically sought me out for my gender identity that they take the extra steps to learn what are the ways to respect me. And the cool thing is everyone has the opportunity to respect everyone who's trans and non-binary in every space. Like, and this, everyone has a gender. Everyone has pronouns. Mine just not might not fit, you know, the experience that you're used to, which is a funny concept because if we look at history, we know that gender nonconforming, transgender, multigender, we, we have only had the gender binary in a very small window of history. And it was when European colonizers came over and performed a genocide on Native American people. And like, if we look in a digi- at indigenous culture, there are so many genders represented. I mean, even different genders per tribe. There is a rich, complex, important history that we have to acknowledge there. The only reason that we're having this conversation is because white supremacists extinguished the non binary and the gender non conforming and the transgender identities. Like, the, in every civilization, or not every civilization, rather, in every continent across the world, except Antarctica, it has been observed that societies have developed with multiple genders independent of each other. This is not a new thing. It's only new to us because we grew up in a colonized society, which is a shame. Like, we were not afforded being able to learn about all the different expansive ways that we can conceptualize ourselves and our relationships to the roles that we serve in the world. Like, I think it's a shame that we weren't afforded that because the more I talk about this, the more everyone goes, well, now I'm questioning my gender. And that's the point. <laughs> like, You know, and like that there's, there's a rich history there that you might be a part of. Like, I don't know what, I don't, for instance, I don't know a single woman who is like, I, I live to serve men. I love being a domestic housewife only. I am only here to serve the pleasure of men. And if that is you, and like you have a healthy relationship with that, I would love to hear your perspective. Like, I don't know a single person like that. And that doesn't mean it can't exist, but like that's not the majority of people, right? But like society is like, that is the role of women. Like, please be prim and proper and demure and like shave your body hair. And everyone's like, excuse me? that in and of itself is gender non-conforming like you both have jobs men don't, like the patriarchy doesn't want that like what do you mean is self-sustaining no like you know that's not that is gender non-conforming in and of itself like all of our relationships to gender are complex and i have gone down many rabbit holes here but i think it's all important because it's all part of opening our minds to realizing we are all oppressed by the same thing even if you're a cisgender person, as long as like if you're not a man, you're oppressed by this structure and we're all we're we're all in this together. And I love
1: that song so much, Summit. <laughs> <laughs> it's on every one of my playlists. I love
0: it.
2: <laughs> it's I amazing.
0: So I think the the word there's just so many great ways you're taking this. And I love <laughs> it so much. And I, I think feel like the,
2: I shot six different cannons off, and I hope someone caught a couple of them. <laughs> I,
0: I want to go so many different ways with it, but the words that are still ringing in my head that you said earlier, two words, human decency. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that is really, when we look at this conversation, it can, it can be that simple. And I think I saw when you took over Lauren's account someone was like what's one thing that everyone should know and you had said that you can do such a small part in this and but it can have a huge impact by just using the pronouns so going back to that conversation of like everyone can help with gender identity you don't have to be an activist you don't need to like dedicate your life's work to it but you can just use the pronouns and that's just such a great little way to start Um,
2: Absolutely. It's an easy thing to like slide into your life. It is not where allyship ends in supporting trans and non-binary people. It's obviously just the beginning.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for making that clear.
2: (laughs) That is the tip of the iceberg. And the fact that, you know, we even have to demand that is such a atrocity, I think, you know, and, and if you want to think about it, like, even if you don't understand why someone uses a pronouns, A, it's not your business, it's not your gender. Like you have your own pronouns to worry about. You know? um, and I, people are like, oh, it's difficult, you know? And I'm like, really? Name one Kardashian. You don't know them, but you know one of the, like name one celebrity. If you know someone else's name, but you don't know the pronouns of a person in your life who you have access to and you have direct influence over and whose mental health you can directly impact, that is, your priorities are not clear. Like, I watched it happen so many times where someone misgenders a dog and apologizes for like 10 minutes and is like, oh my gosh, like, I meant such a hand, like, you're such a good boy, like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if you just gave 5% of that to trans people, I wouldn't be on this podcast, <laughs> you know? So it's really simple. And That's it's just, I mean, That's a the very
0: good point. That's I love that. Point. That's such a good <laughs> analogy.
2: It's, I mean, that's like, that's suburbia right there. It's like, you know, the genders of dogs matter more than the genders of trans people. And it's like, you don't have to understand something to respect it. And it's, pronouns are one of the tools that trans and non-binary people use to demand space in cis-dominated circles. Like, Nearly every circle, unless it is exclusively for trans and non binary people, is dominated by cisgender people, people who identify with the gender they're assigned at birth. And everyone gets terrified of like touching gender nonconformity because it's like, I don't want to mess it up. Like, uh, just at least try. Imperfect action is always more important than perfect action. And if you get your head bitten off about something, that's an important place to be because at least you tried and it means you learned something. And like, it is an unfortunate byproduct. Like I might not bite your head off about it, but another trans or non-binary person might. And like the difficult thing we have to grapple with as a society is like, we need to make space for that because trans and non-binary people have experienced such difficult depression that like, if you also mess it up, it is painful. I mean, like it truly does. It is easier for me to hear, I don't wanna date you than it is to hear the wrong pronouns that is a lie on some days i will say like some people I'm like are you stupid like what what are you thinking like why wouldn't you date me i don't know but like <laughs> that you know, my point is that like that kind of rejection on it's so casual it's like oh i didn't even care enough about you to realize i was making a mistake to begin with you know whereas something else like a relationship rejection is difficult to deal with but at least there there is a history there there was intention there was ideally some care put into that thought process like You just have to care about trans and non-binary people. It's so simple. Like
1: (laughs) this kid just is like sparking so many thoughts for me too. And one thing, I listened to an episode of the Almost 30 podcast with the bird's papaya. What is her her name is Sarah, I believe. And she is currently pregnant and she was talking about they asked her a question about like a gender reveal party. And she corrected them um, on that podcast and was talking about how, and there was a statistic, I should be more prepared and I'm sorry. Um, there was a statistic that she shared on there about, you know, how many, percentage of people who are assigned at birth that do not identify with that assignment and how gender reveal parties are a thing about the past. Um, And here, and she listed off like many, many reasons why. And it was just a fascinating episode. And I'm just curious, any of your thoughts about just that phenomenon in our society? I did not have one, just so you know. Um, I just need to make that clear. (laughs) Um, Just curious your Any perspective you have on that, because I think, especially now in quarantine, I mean, you open up your Instagram feed and it's pink or blue everywhere, right? And I can imagine that can be very triggering.
2: Yeah, everyone has a different relationship with what does and doesn't trigger them for sure. And I also want to push back on something. You said that you should have been more prepared. No? You're amazing. I love you. Like the idea <laughs> that we need to be prepared to have conversations, like, sure, like if you're going into a business meeting where you have to present on like the financial equity of your firm, like, yeah, maybe know some numbers. But like when we're talking about a human experience, you just bring your heart. Like I that is you. all it requires. It's so. here. <laughs> Truly. <It's here. laughs> really, um, I think gender reveals are horrific because all you're revealing is the genitalia. Like if you want to announce to the world, like my my child that is not yet born has a penis like cool um that's great um you actually don't even know yet like because there's so many surprises like how many times have we seen like ah that wasn't a penis that was a finger like human Human (laughs) error right so um there are a couple of books and i can't think of their authors but uh parenting beyond the pink and blue comes to mind and uh, they're, oh my gosh, it's by Christia, Somewhat, I'm going to look it up right now, Parenting Beyond the Pink.
1: Writing it down. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, by uh, Christia Spears. I'm messing it up. Um, anyway, there are multiple books about raising children, with gender neutral pronouns w- allowing them to create their own experience of gender because we know like if you look at christina olsen's research uh she's been doing a lot of research on uh gender identity formation in children. And we know that as early as 18 months, between 18 months and three years, children have a strong sense of their own gender identity. They understand what gender looks like on other people, um, which is different than like object permanence, right? Like it's not, oh, all women permanently look this way, all men permanently look this way, gender non-conforming and non-binary people look this way it's not that it's that they can understand the differences in the roles and then like we've got research dating back to the 60s that like even though the researchers themselves were pretty sexist they did come up with some solid so i'm not going to name them because we don't credit sexist men with research we are beyond that point in our lives uh they did come up with the findings that instead of people having um a permanence to their own understanding of gender, they actually just have a permanence in understanding the gender role and like what they are required to do in society based off how they were raised. And so the idea of gender neutral parenting and like removing things like gender reveals and removing the idea of putting a gender role on your child is that we allow children to grow up to who they are without these outside influences. Because like, here I am at 25, unpacking all the bullshit that I was handed. And my parents did as good a job as they possibly could have. You know, when I came out to my mom, I never came out as gay because I don't think anyone expected me to be straight. And which was kind of nice, but definitely a a non-traditional experience when we're thinking about people my age are still having such horrific challenges with homophobia in their families. And I was super fortunate not to have that. So then I came out as non-binary and my mom was like, oh, well that makes sense. You know, like you were always both, like you wanted to go play in the dirt and you wanted to play with Barbies. And like both were you, you know, and gender is so much more than that. But like, when we think about the gender norms we thrust on children, like my favorite color was pink but I wanted a fire truck. Like, you know, so there's, There's so much underneath that. And when we do things like Gender Reveals, all it does is center your own experience of gender and your own expectations on your child. And hot take, you are not ready to be a parent if you are going to thrust societal oppression on a child. You are doing a disservice by bringing somebody else into the world who's gonna have to unpack your bullshit. Obviously, no one's perfect when they start being a parent. Like for sure, Jenna's like, fuck. No, you're gonna be such a wonderful mother.
1: (laughs) The page right here that after I put all of like the tips you just gave of like the notes from my birth in class, okay?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. And like we're we're all sorting through this. Like there is no one answer. But the point is, like if you're if you're not being critical of something like a gender reveal, knowing that there are gender non-conforming, trans, and non-binary people out there, then like that requires some deeper learning in order for you to be an effective parent that shows up and allows a child to thrive. So. Yeah, I think I think if gender reveals ended tomorrow, that would be great. Uh, especially looking at like what that did to the California wildfires and like, I, no. the to, like it's first off, who thought it was a good idea to blow a bunch of blue and pink dust in the air? Like the climate is already devolving at a horrific rate to the point where like my generation sadly is like all the conversations with my friends about like, do we want kids? You know, like I I wanna be a parent one day. Like I think that would be such a wonderful opportunity to like raise somebody and like you know i uh, ideally offer them the opportunity to create a better world than what i grew up in i think that's beautiful like there is this maternal instinct within me that's like i want kids and i can't ethically justify it when it's like look at the world that i would be bringing a child into like the idea that 30 percent of the world could be inhabitable within my lifetime and i'd be bringing a child into that world like that isn't as great an idea to me. So I'm like, I'll adopt. Like, there are so many children out there that like, you know, will need homes. And like, I'm not going to love them any less because they're not my biological children. I think you're absolutely doing the right thing by having a child. Like, I don't mean to give you okay. any sort of complex about <laughs> ah. this, But like me, somebody who's, you know, younger than you are, <laughs> right? is like, oh, what do we do? And it's like, okay, well, there's a lot of, we don't know. We don't, we don't know what the answers are. And I think that I think we have to reckon with a lot of those things if we're to be ethical, you know, perpetuators of the human race, I suppose.
0: <laughs> like... I love the turn that this just took. That we <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how <laughs> we got here. Gender but reveals.
2: gender reveals simply need to stop. And the irony is the woman who started the first gender reveal, her child came out as gender nonconforming. So I don't know if you all heard of the that,
1: best stat but... ever. <laughs> oh yeah, she's come out
2: and been like, I made a mistake, like this was a horrible thing. And it, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah like have a party celebrate your child like oh my gosh like amazing just like why does it need to be a gendered experience
0: right that's such a great great point that i think that just shows like when you said that jenna i was like i've never really like that privilege right i never really thought about gender reveals the fact that that was never something that i even thought of like check your privileges, right? Like, wow, now I never want to have a gender reveal. (laughs) Like, that's so great. And just, and just digging deeper into that and being like, wow, okay, why do we do that? Just creating that curiosity behind these, like you said, societal norms that are placed there.
2: It's so much about curiosity and just challenging what we have been taught. You know, why is it that girls wear pink bows and boys wear helmets? Like, how many girls do we know that are amazing athletes? And how many boys do we know that would look amazing in bows? And how many people are neither one that deserve access to anything they want? Like, yeah. you know, the idea that we have thrust ourselves into these very tight corners of how we're allowed to express our likes and dislikes from a young age is horrifying, you know? Like, what, why would we ever want to stifle someone's creativity, someone's self-expression and someone's freedom to explore who they are just because we want them to be dressed in a certain color? I don't know. It seems messed up to me.
0: Absolutely. And so I know we, we want to respect your time and we don't want to take too much of it, but I did want to ask, you know, with your own gender identity journey that you've been on and your eating disorder, if you don't mind just kind of touching on how those two blended together or how there was a connection there.
2: For me, they blended together because they were symptoms of the same root cause. Uh, And I think it really does boil down to my gender more than it does my relationship to food. Because the only times my relationship to food was ever challenged and the only times I went down that disorder path were because I couldn't accept my body for what it was. And we talk about like body dysmorphia, we talk about gender dysphoria, which are two different things. Gender dysphoria is having like incredibly anxious feelings about the way that your body looks based off the gender that you were assigned at birth. Like for instance, um, somebody who was assigned female at birth that has breasts that isn't a woman might have incredible gender dysphoria around having breasts because people see them and you know, like through the outline of their clothes and they're like, oh, you're a woman, and then they get misgendered. And so something like that can cause harm to someone. It's like even a simple body part or the size of your body, you know, facial hair, uh the length of your hair, all sorts of different things things can cause gender dysphoria, whereas body dysmorphia, right, we know is like having very difficult feelings and like having a a disconnect between like what you see in the mirror and what might be reality and having all sorts of negative feelings about your body in general. Uh, Would you agree with like that definition as clinicians or would you add anything to that?
0: Absolutely. I think that disconnection of, like you said, what you see in the mirror versus what is reality.
2: So people who are trans and non-binary often experience both, which is when it gets really difficult. It's like, oh, are you restricting your food because you're trying to fit the gender norm of being a woman so you don't get misgendered all the time? Or are you actually experiencing something different? Like they're so interconnected and we don't have a lot of research on this and we don't have a lot of access to gender affirming care to know and parse out what those differences are. Uh, for me, it was a little bit of both. I don't experience a ton of gender dysphoria, um, and I think it's because I have done a lot of work with like my ED recovery, and like I live with a, I live with thin privilege, and so every day my body is reinforced for what it is, and that is that's its own problem. Like we shouldn't be praising thin people for being thin, you know, and we like we should definitely be recentering that on uplifting fat bodies, like for sure. And for me, it was a a combination of both. So now, let's see, how do I want to gather this? Um... The connection was deeper than just the body image. It was a lot more about what my relationship with was to how I was treated in the world. And like one of my ED behaviors was like, I can't control how everyone treats and sees me, but I can control my food intake. So that's how I took out the like stress and anxiety of not understanding myself and then also not being understood by the world. So I think what's, and that's not an individual experience. That's a pretty shared experience amongst a lot of queer people. I mean like, I read this clinical study that said 63% of transgender youth engaged in weight manipulation for gender affirming purposes. And I think it was 15% of those people, if not right around 15% of those people, met criteria for an eating disorder. That is disproportionately higher than their cisgender peers. And we think of eating disorders as only affecting thin white female dancers. And it certainly does affect thin white women all across the world. It affects trans and non-binary people exponentially more in terms of our statistics. It does not mean that like one group is more important than the other, stop those thoughts. Like It means that we need to have gender affirming care because just just like you said, when we're looking at suicide prevention, we know that using someone's correct pronouns can eliminate that by like, what? uh, uh, Was it 50%?
1: 50%.
2: I don't know what the stats are on offering someone gender-affirming care, but I do know that like people who experience gender dysphoria because they aren't accepted and respected for who they are often engage in weight manipulation in body changing behaviors and engage in disordered eating and so if we tackle this from a gender-based thing like sometimes the ed is the root cause sometimes the ed is the symptom of something more for me it was the symptom i mean it's it's like the the constant like is did your anxiety come first or did your eating disorder chicken or the egg for me it was the gender thing i honestly believe if I had been accepted and affirmed for who I was starting like at birth and like was not conditioned to be a man, I might not have developed an eating disorder. I can't say for certain, but I do know like in talking with a lot of other trans and non-binary people that it we wouldn't have those thoughts of like, oh, let me change so that way I am respected, you know, and of course there are so many other reasons that people change their bodies to affirm their genders and like that that can be as personal as Possible and it's not like that's not the reason people change their bodies is like for everyone to like look at them a certain way it is a lot of the reason for many people but that's not a monolithic experience, but I do think it's important to note that like. When we're looking at the intersection of these two things and I think there's a rich intersection that like the science community can certainly engage with more and like what we need more research on is what is the connection between eating disorders and gender. Almost all the studies I've read, with the exception of a couple studies last year and this year, only include cisgender people. And we're missing a whole market that is maligned by diet culture.
0: Thank you for that. That's like, like the, you said, I know you're yeah, you're speaking <laughs> on your personal experience, but like you said, there's, there's so much there that we see through the research of, like you said, transgender community being hit the statistics like so much more yeah. than cisgender but there's so much work that needs to be done still look at
2: trans folks fighting eds um on instagram they yeah. do They have a lot of really great uh, stuff on their page where they've got like blogs uh, written by people and they have like how clinicians can provide gender affirming care I think sometimes they run workshops, if you have extra money like send it to them because they do really excellent work I've never worked with them but I watch what they do. And like, I have always felt affirmed by their work and I know other people who personally have worked with them that have good experiences so I think, and they're one of the only people I know who's talking about this besides, um, oh, Vaughn, All Gender Nutrition, talks about this on Instagram, and but not many people do. Uh, like, I remember <laughs> Evelyn Trivoli tagged me in one thing once about gender, and I was like, wow, I'm surprised that there aren't more people within the intuitive eating community talking about this. I want there to be more. <laughs> like, I want this to be a commonplace discussion, like when registered dietitians go to conferences to talk about, like, the latest and greatest. We need people talking about how to give gender-affirming care.
1: Mm-hmm. When is your TED Talk coming out?
2: On a, great question. <laughs> um, so, you know, like I said, we need people talking about it. I'll come talk about it. Um, but, like, I, there, I would love to think there are people more qualified than me. You know, like, I am an expert by experience. I can talk about like my own experience and like the basic ways that we can honor trans people but like you know looking at people who have actually researched this and this is not an imposter syndrome thing this is just like we need to look at science too like you know if we're taking my word for it we also need to fact check me I'm right but like go fact check me you know like we often think oh you
1: you know (laughs) so and so is smart
2: or like has a platform on Instagram so I'm gonna follow them like I don't care how many followers you have you can lie like I know how many dietitians do we know that are like I love Weight Watchers and have like 100,000 followers. Deplatform really? all of them. You are doing more harm than good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so the point is like, always challenge what you hear and like research it for yourself. And like, I would always talk at those things. Like, if they were like, hey, James, like, come talk about this. I also want to make sure that we are funding research and funding gender affirming care for the providers that are doing it, like not yes. just me. And if I become a provider one day, then like I'll eat my words and be like, nope, I'm coming. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's me. But, <laughs> yeah, really.
0: I, I did attend, Veritas did like a symposium, a three-day virtual symposium for eating disorders. And they, this is terrible. I should know his name. I'm going to look it up now. But they had someone who was a researcher on, uh, on this subject. So, and they did like, and that was, that was really like the only one I attended because I really wanted to learn about it, and the other days was a little more vanilla stuff. But that was amazing. Um, so I'll have to find that that researcher and I'll link it in the show you notes. I do. Too. I'd love
2: to read their stuff. I can send it to you. Yeah, I mean, sure. there's such a divide in the dietetics community right now. It's like either you're a health at every size dietitian or you are not. And like, though I'm, I'll say it. Those conversations are old now. Like you. Sh- we can cross talk as much as we want to, but like ultimately we need to be centering the people who are walking into the room that need care Mm -hmm. and like, I obviously am on the health at every size team and the gentle nutrition team. I mean, there's a reason that's the 10th step of intuitive eating, right? Like, And of course I am not a provider, but like as somebody who has experienced this and recovered and like lives in the world as a fitness professional and deals with the diet culture every day I walk in to do a personal training session with someone, like we absolutely have to be centering the care of individuals. And like, instead of debating like Haze and IE versus like weight centric stuff, And like, we know BMI doesn't work. We need to move on and like, okay, well, how are we giving affirming care to people of color? How are we being actively anti-racist in our work? How are we meeting people at their disabilities? Like when you are looking at, like when a provider and a clinician and anybody who works in the medical field has someone who's inpatient and they were assigned something at birth, like, how do you get creative about acknowledging that like if this person has been on hormones for X amount of time, they will not fit the standard criteria of the sex they were assigned at birth's nutritional requirements. Like it is your job as the clinician to innovate and to figure out what does this person actually need? Not only using their right pronouns, but like when you're looking at giving life-saving care, we can't just look at it as a binary anymore. That is deadly. So at the risk of like yelling about that and being on a soapbox, I just think that it is imperative because like, these aren't the conversations that are happening. And like, we have lost way too many people to eating disorders. Anorexia is the deadliest disease in the DSM. That's unacceptable because it is completely preventable. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously I'm preaching to the choir here, the choir being Jenna and Sam, but like, (laughs) I know someone out there is like, I'm perfect. You're not, I'm not, none of us are, we can all learn more.
1: (laughs) I think it's so important to just hone in on the fact, like we say this often, but you don't have to go to a doctor's office and get weighed and you, you don't, don't have to go to a doctor's office that doesn't have, you know, that doesn't respect your weight as one piece, but you can also go to a doctor that respects your weight gender. And, just, just be and like, yes. yes, like you can find a provider that respects you in all facets. And I think that's something that people need to hear many, many times, because yeah. so often the trauma happens in the doctor's office. Um, Absolutely. We pick that apart often in sessions. Um At least I do with yeah. clients very, very often. And I know that it's something that people just feel like, you know, it, again, that's, it's also recognizing privilege if you have access to a choice for your provider um but there are other resources available
2: absolutely I mean medicalized fat phobia and medicalized transphobia are absolutely what is killing fat and trans people you know and it's it's not particularly difficult like when you just really think about it like oh let me not discriminate against this person because they're fat let me not look at weight as the number one indicator of this person's health. Like, Let me make sure that I am putting forms on my intake sheets at the office to include people's pronouns, not right. their gender, because gender and pronouns are different things. Any gender can use any pronouns they want to. And just because you have a gender identity, you can't assume someone's pronouns based off of the patterns we might see. A lot of women use she, her that is not a monolithic experience. So it's like, instead instead of asking, you know, what someone's gender is, put a section for the pronouns, make sure that we're offering that kind of affirming care. And it does, if it requires getting creative, it means, oh, okay, I've had a privileged experience. Like, let me decolonize my mind on this. Mm-hmm. We all have to do that work in certain sectors. Like we are all doing this work together, but like the moment we get comfortable about it is the moment that we continue doing harm. Like we always have to be constantly uncomfortable and like i don't know enough i don't know enough like I want, I don't want that to keep anyone up at night. I want that to be the thing that gets you up in the morning and goes, okay, I am going to be a better provider than I was yesterday at this and you will mess up and that is okay. I like, I I don't speak for the whole community, but like, my God, it feels so much better when someone says, oh, like I was doing, he- I mean, their labs or, you know, like whatever. It's like, thank you for catching it at least. Like, I would much rather you never messed up, but like, if you do mess up, just take ownership, correct yourself, move on. You know, like there. Are it's, it's not as big a thing as you might seem, but as it might seem like there are so many options to offer care.
1: You have shared so much today. I cannot we cannot thank you enough and you continue to share so much education on your Instagram I was talking to you last night um, <laughs> with my brother we were looking at all of your stuff
2: oh, this um, week has <laughs> been a wild week like we we've been doing all sorts of, oh my god because I don't know when this is going to air but the election soon. was re- <laughs> so I was like here are the wildest hookup stories I've ever had let's not think about these. <laughs> so hope you watch that with your brother oh, great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like i i feel like i missed that and now i'm bummed
0: but i know now i
2: need to go back do so we have it's a story a okay it's good yeah okay. okay. the stories i'm starting a whole new thing because i'm realizing that like being invited to a halloween ritual when i thought i was just gonna go have a good time is not the norm so <laughs> just all sorts men in new york don't just wild just wild to that's a whole party. other podcast but yeah we I could really... do a whole
0: another podcast on chaotic hookups. that would be <laughs> I, I, think, really I feel like it would be very well received a hundred percent
2: absolutely oh my gosh the amount of guys I go over and then I see the stack of protein powders and I'm like I'm no longer attracted to you <laughs> no. yeah, you're done you taste like vanilla whey like I can't do this <laughs> all right well and on that note so much an
0: amazing place to end but we'll give you one we always like to end with like and this is hard because we've covered so much but if you could leave our listeners with like one thing you want them to walk away from this podcast remembering if they only remember one thing what would it be
2: you have the power to change anything that you don't like It doesn't mean that you will completely flip the table but it means that you have incredible power in your own individual position to create change if you are affirming for one person if you hold space for one person if you simply do something that changes one person's life in the smallest way you are making a difference and so no one is asking you to go combat all of transphobia no one's asking you to go fix diet culture all at once but you have such incredible power And on the days where it feels overwhelming, remember that you have individual gifts. You are uniquely gifted in what you have, the people you have access to, the things your mind comes up with, the emotions you feel, the experiences you have, the things you feel in your heart. Those are your gifts and those are your tools. And you always have incredible power to use them for good. And so on the days when it is tough, be gentle with yourself and remember that your power is always there within you. Just take a moment and tap into it and remember that you have infinite worth and that worth translates to infinite power for good
0: I'm gonna cry I know (laughs) I'm like I needed that preach (laughs) preach. (laughs) thank you so much your Instagram one more time for everybody please
2: I'm James (laughs) is smiling on Instagram um come hang out on my corner of the internet we talk about gender we talk about sex we talk about I write about my exes. I that's true. Um, in a nice way. I never name them. Um, so like like not quite like Taylor Swift. Um, and I cannot believe I just compared myself to I am also the most decorated award-winning pop artist of oh, never mind. Um, so you can come hang out with me there. We I I like to think we have fun on the corner of the internet. We eradicate diet culture as much as possible. Um, I now have a swipe up link. So I am relentless with it. Like there are always opportunities to like donate to people's uh, like gender affirming surgeries. There are always opportunities to DM me your questions. I do as much as I can to like engage with people because I think if we're not using social media to actually connect, then what the fuck are we doing with it? So yeah, you can come hang out on my corner of the internet. Say hi, say you found me here so I can like thank everyone and like send you hearts. We do affirmations, we do validations, I'll shut up. Now you have to come and find me. (laughs)
1: Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon.